Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Stephen Petaski. I hope I pronounced your last name correct. Nailed it. Nailed it. Perfect. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I get to experience so many names, right? So I'm, I'm always sure. <laughs> yeah. So I always like to ask because I, I I learn at the same time, right? So yeah. Yeah, no, you did. Yeah. You nailed it. Most people don't. So usually it's oh pedestal. great. <laughs> you're like you're one for one. <laughs> awesome, awesome, Stephen. Well, it's an honor to have you here, my friend. Thank you. Thanks. To, thanks for having me on your show. I'm really excited today, oh. and uh, can't wait for the conversation. Yeah, no problem at all. I know I had to uh, cancel on you before. Well, it wasn't necessarily you. Yeah. It was uh, the the yeah, North American internet outage that happened for I a know. while. So. It, it was. It was. Yeah. It was. It was crazy. It was crazy. Like I, I thought it was us. So uh, what I did is I, I I have a little electric bike. Yeah. So I took that electric bike and I went everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll say, well, you know, I figured, hey, let's just make it an event. So I went, you know, my sister lives nearby. I went to her house, no wife. I went to another Tim Orange there and nothing. And then everybody was saying that it's nationwide. Then I go, okay, wait a minute. It's not just me. And then I couldn't do nothing about it. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I eventually um, emailed you from uh, Tesla, I believe. I, I, I thought, okay, you know what? Tesla will have it. Right. So I had to go there <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> it was, it worked out well. Now, did, did what you could do. Where, where are you located again? In uh, Toronto, Canada. You're in Toronto. Well, I'm Edmonton, yeah. yeah, born and raised and still have our head office there. So fellow Canadian. Oh. Oh, I know. Awesome. That's awesome, Stephen. And we'll get right into that as well. But I like to kind of allow you to introduce yourself um, and your company, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. So as I mentioned, Stephen Potaski, um, I have married two children, boy Cash is 15 and girl Allegra is 12. So super fun age with the children right now. They're doing everything we love to do, which is like a perfect age. I wish we could pause it in this moment because it's, uh, it's yeah. such an awesome, awesome time. My yeah. company is the Luxus Group and we started, or I guess I started 15 years ago, we founded the company. Luxus is a Latin word for luxury. We kicked it off as effectively a very, very small company. We had nothing, we had home, no capital, and we just, we raised some money. I'm happy to get into the, the depths of the story, whatever you might want to hear. Um, but we started with a few million in capital raised from 18 friends and family. And we kind of grew it to become a multidisciplined uh, developer of luxury real estate around the world. We're primarily North American um, based in terms of our projects, all like lifestyle destinations, Hawaii, um, Las Vegas, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And then we also have a big uh, number of projects in Tuscany, Italy. So we're fairly Amazing. well diversified from a geographic perspective, but it's kind of, um, it doesn't seem to have a rhyme or reason, but there actually is some rhyme or reason to the projects we choose. And, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So now 15 years later, just celebrated our 15th anniversary last month, Amazing. which is super exciting. And uh, we're sharing some of the story now, which, is, uh, which has been great. We've been kind of doing it quietly behind the scenes the last decades. So it's fun to be able to talk to a few people and share what we've done and hopefully inspire others to do the same. Yes. It's all about that, you know, and, yeah. and the company seems like you started right when your, your son was born. Yes, exactly. Right. So the, yeah. the whole thing was built upon when our son was born. If we kind of go back wow. to uh, late 2006, my wife was pregnant and um, with our boy and we love to travel. And my wife and I were 
different career. She was a journalist, actually a news anchor. And I was in a different business. And we said, well, one thing we're not going to stop doing is traveling. I think sometimes kids prevent people from traveling and not out of that they can't, but out of a bit of fear and uncertainty and inconsistency that can come in the travel world, especially back then. And so we were looked at it as a family to said, um, my wife and I, how will we travel differently now that we have a child and what would be ideal for our scenario so that we're not fearful of travel and we don't just kind of like become homebodies because it's such an important part of our relationship. And we went through a number of different options, you know, obviously hotels and having uh, babies in hotel rooms kind of takes the romance out of hotels and uh, it's not quite as enjoyable. And then we didn't have any money to buy a second home, but we also, even if we did, we weren't really in that game because we had a, we didn't want to be restricted to one destination. We were still felt like we had so much of the world to see. And then the final thing we looked at was, you know, renting, but renting just creates, um, you know, an inconsistency, especially back then there was no Airbnb. Like we actually launched a year before Airbnb was even founded. So it was just VRBO. And back then it was very inconsistent. You know, the pictures did not match up to the reality of the experience. And so we kind of felt like maybe we were at a bit of a loss in order to accommodate what our family's needs were. And then we just kind of fantasized and thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we owned a portfolio of private vacation homes that we could travel to anywhere in the world that are set up like a hotel, but they owned by us. And, uh, you know, that was fantasy land at the time, but um, in all honesty, that's what triggered the Luxus Group. And we thought, well, we could actually do this, but we have to do it with other friends and family and other like-minded individuals. And so that's where we brought on 18 friends and family. We all contributed a couple hundred thousand dollars and we bought our first three properties, one in Maui, one in Phoenix, and one in Lake Okanagan. And that triggered, uh, kicked off the Luxus Group. And we've come a long way since then, but it's been a, been a fun journey. Yeah. I, I like the name. Thank you. Thank you. We, we hired a naming company for it, to be perfectly honest. I wish it was my brainchild, but I got to give credit uh, to the company we hired that brought us a bunch of different names. And um, we loved that one. Mm, yes. It, it, it matches what you do, but I want to kind of get into the details here. So is sure. it, how do you compare with Airbnb? Because Airbnb also has luxury spots, right? So yep. is this like a niche within Airbnb kind of thing? Good question. It's um, so if we look at the different um, business units, we kind of you know call it three buckets. We have a um, this shared ownership bucket. We are all co ownership, so effectively a group of you know several hundred limited partners are actually partners in with us and these investors, and they invest into a fund, and then they get exclusive access to that. So think of like a club, like a private oh, club. Meets, interesting. Uh, yeah, private club meets um, the vacation property world meets a mutual fund. I think if you were kind of combined it all Hmm. together. So we don't actually rent those ones out um, to the world. Those are like, it's a closed loop. Effectively, they have to be, um, they're utilized by the members, effectively the partners of um, that particular fund. So that's, that's number one. Number two, um, we have a few luxury rental properties that we manage on behalf of clients that we've built for. And we work with companies like Airbnb, and we have a great relationship with them and Luxury Retreats, which is actually owned by Airbnb. And But we don't um, compete with them at all. We effectively would list those properties on their platform. And then the third kind of division is the um, uh, development side, ground up development, um, where we identify opportunities that um, you know I think that we think could add potential and add value. And then we, we get after those and we usually start with 
airland and build them up to become something really special and then sell them off. But in most of those cases, we don't keep them for the long run. They're effectively sold off uh, and, and disposed of. And that's how you kind of create your, uh, I guess, your, your income or your exit. Mm. But so you, the, the actual company is providing locations to be rented out to people, um, same as Airbnb, correct? Not really. We only, the only okay. ones we actually rent out for the, like, the, like, for example, if you wanted to use a property, we only have, and it depends on the time right now, we only have a couple of properties you could actually rent directly from us. And we only affect in their Tuscany, Italy, some luxury villas um, that we basically do it as a value add service on behalf of the clients. So really what we do there as an example um, we help a client select a ruin and then we restore that ruin to become a luxury private estate for that family. And if that family chooses to want to create income from that asset, we will take on the management of that. But really, it's you effectively, you can't access our portfolio publicly. You have to be a partner or a client of ours that we either created a product for you or you're an investor in our fund. So that's why mm-hmm. the Airbnb is a tool for us yes. to use to rent some of our properties, but we actually don't really do direct rentals at scale. It's something we are looking at down the road, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. could be really exciting. But Airbnb would always be a tool that we would use, not never to compete against. They're, they have a different mm-hmm. model. They, they're, yeah. call it maybe a better way to look at it. They're an asset light model or an asset heavy model. So they mm-hmm. don't own any assets. They're owned by their hosts you know, around the world. And they just become the technology tool to, for distribution. We're on the flip side. Mm. We own the assets with our partners and our and on, on behalf of our partners. And then in certain cases, we rent those assets out. So just a slightly mm. different model where we're more in the real estate game. They're more in the technology and distribution game. Understood. Mm. Yeah. Now I get it. So just in the in the in a day in the life, if you wanted to go through that. Um, just to clarify, just to make sure, sure everyone understands. So, oh, no, no, it's a little complicated. There's lots of moving parts. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, it's, it's interesting. So basically someone like an investor yep. would approach you and say, Hey, Steven, you know, um, let's go, let's do something. Right. You yes. say, well, do you have it up? Do you have it up, up, a property in mind? I said, um, in this scenario, maybe they do. Right. They say, well, I saw this, you know, this unit in Italy is yeah. run down, but I think we could do something with it. Yeah. Bring it to me, bring the proposal, bring the information. Then you meet mm-hmm. with them and then you discuss and just stop me when I'm wrong. Right. So you're dis- right so dis- far. Yeah. Okay. So you discuss the entire property, the valuation, what the work is needed, you know, the scope of work, all that kind of stuff. And then you partner, if he has enough money, he will just do the whole thing. Or if yeah. he doesn't, you would chip in as well. And other people in your network would also chip in into the property. Once you give it a check mark, say, yes, we're mm-hmm. going to do this. Then that person has that unit, the investor that came in um, for life to use that. And then you, the entire club, the entire investors, the entire group can use that unit whenever they like. Is that correct? You, you almost had it to the last piece. So it, okay. and it's an important point you bring up. So you very mm-hmm. articulated very well. In, and um, generally speaking, if, if a client comes to us and we, we work out a deal on an asset for development uh-huh. and eventually management, usually it's controlled uh-huh. and operated separately of the main fund. If we think of that, that co-ownership fund, that is a very specific vehicle there's, we, we peaked at 50 properties. We're now at 26 properties, about 200 investors. The only way to access that pool is to be an investor in that particular fund. So you actually don't buy a property, you become an investor into the fund. Now that said, mm-hmm. that fund is closed. We actually don't have 
um, available available capacity. But for you know, for twelve years, we raised money for those those projects. We we got to about a hundred million dollars in uh, value of properties over fifty homes. So it was a really fun you know ramp up for that. But generally, what we're doing now, I mean, COVID has really slowed that side of the business down. You think about the hard parts of COVID, because all of our investors effectively are Canadian based, and as we know in Canada, it was very locked down for a very lengthy period of time, and um, so our clients are traveling to the homes, but it's effectively stunned to growth because. People were more cautious about investing into that until there was clarity on their ability to move, you know, comfortably globally. And even they can do it now, as we know, travel is very difficult for a lot of people. The development side, so think of two totally separate things. We have, you know, you know, basically these three divisions are all independently run by different leaders. And the development side is where that exactly what you said, an individual comes to us. And we generally only look at bigger projects now. We used to look at smaller ones, but now we're looking at some you know more Resource. significant exactly like basically like that we're doing one in Vegas which is very substantial we're building a Marriott hotel in Playa del Carmen Mexico so this I love is hearing I, this stuff by the way so go ahead keep going <laughs> no it's great it's great yeah they're yeah. they're all it's all wonderful places and then we look at it to say can we add value to this process because if the client says well I own the land and I have the the connection for the entitlements but I need someone that's going to activate it and kind of figure out what's, you know, quote unquote, highest and best use of this project. If we think we can add value, then yes, we will partner up with them and we'll trigger it out. Whether the deal is a $2 million deal or a $200 million deal, it's the same amount of work basically. So we're yeah. basically looking only at larger projects now that um, we feel that we can, are, are the size of our team and the capacity we have can, can create, uh, you know, help bring that dream to life, which is really what mm. we do. That's why we're so scattered. I think in in the in our areas, we this try to bring dreams to life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this sounds similar to uh, Grant Cardone's system, right? Someone Grant's is similar, where he has a fund, fund and they yeah. but they all buy. He has right? everything, but one of them he's, is, he's yeah. got tons of different asset classes within yeah. his fund. But they're all the difference with him is uh, in, a, in a very good way, it's just a different business model. They generally mm-hmm. are buying assets to produce annual returns and like long-term um, uh, you know, dividends effectively. So they'll buy a multifamily unit, like a 500 mm. unit complex that's yes. going to produce a 10% cap rate or something. Like apartment pro- buildings. Exactly. Yes. Ours are, the difference with us is we will generally do ground up development with carriers higher risk but also brings potentially higher returns. Now, the problem, I would say the problem with our business units is that there isn't the longevity. You're always looking for another project to basically fill as other projects come offline. And sometimes there's gaps, um, but we have a small team and nimble, so we can, we can take breathers between projects to, to find the right one that's a fit for us. In Grant Cardone's and, and effectively the majority of real estate investors like REITs and stuff, they're looking mm. for long-term assets, lesser returns, less risk. And mm. they're both great business models. We'll probably get into that to a certain extent on certain uh, future projects. But, but to date, we've been more of um, taking the higher risk opportunities, which creates some stress because they don't all win, and, you know, obviously. But um, you know, we've had some success and, uh, and we've been more, we found our niche that we're serving that um, segment of the market better. It's a little less competitive, competitive um, because less people want to take that uh, higher degree of risk on, call it the pre-entitlement process, not the you know, uh, revenue gen, like the, uh, they call the clipping coupons, like, uh, you know, cap rate focused investments. Hmm. What, what do you think your ideal, you must know it, but your ideal 
client or someone that you would love to work with, what does that avatar look like? And then once they come in, obviously there's variables, but once they come in, what can they expect? I think it's a really good question. And it's evolved a bit. I mean, if I were to think yeah. back five years ago, the ideal client is, you know, a family like myself that might have, you know, children, they're looking to explore different parts of the world, but in like a really safe and comfortable and consistent manner. So in that mm-hmm. product line, which again, there's no availability right now, but there very well could be something down the road. That client, you know, might have a net worth of, you know, 2 million to 10 million somewhere. I'm just generalizing in a range. Mm-hmm. They can afford mm-hmm. a quarter million dollar investment. And mm-hmm. um, they would they would come in and they're looking to just enhance their travel. It's not about money, it's more capital preservation and lifestyle. Mm. So that would be the maybe the first 12 years of our business. Now with COVID, because we've kind of paused that until we get through this stretch and we get back to some normalcy, whatever that may look like when things start to open up again, um, we've shifted it now. The type of client generally is a is an ultra high net worth family or a corporation that has a piece of land that they've held in their family for a long period of time and they have not quite figured out what to do with it. So maybe they've got 20 acres on the side of an amazing, you know, ski hill, or they've got this, yeah. you know, land in Las Vegas or or wherever it is. And then they would come to us and say, I've got this amazing land. I've been sitting forever. I don't know what to do with it. I don't have development experience. Can you help create a vision? And then we sit down with them and we we work it out. And that's that's where, and these are these are very limited. Like we only, you know, like a client a year is kind of what we're looking for. But um, it's that's generally speaking where we've been the last kind of two to three years during COVID, identifying those opportunities and working with some wonderful families in uh, different parts of the world. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Must it sounds exciting? Well, it's a neat business in the the sense that. Um, you know, I think like any business or people look outside in, it does look very romantic. Like we, we travel a lot. Mm. We just in Italy, then, you know, Vegas, Mexico, and these wonderful places that we generally all go to vacation um, and we go to work. So there's the benefit of going to see these places a lot, but, but generally it's a little less vacation time and a little more uh, work time. Um, so there is like a really wonderful aspect to being in these places in the world, I pinch myself sometimes and just say like, how grateful we are for our investors over the years and the, the people that put their trust in us to create this and the jobs we've created. And uh, especially in Italy, in the sense that like created some pretty, you know, you know, restored some pieces of history as well. There's an additional benefit that goes well beyond the finances. So it's a neat business from that perspective is that that travel and kind of that global access. And but mm-hmm. like any business that's got its ups and downs and, yeah. and it's just troubles. There's no, uh, we've all yeah, had our- course tough moments and moments on the edge. And, and we're always mm-hmm. kind of working to find our way through. Yeah. Were you, uh, did you ever work like nine to five? I uh, no, no, but I've been an entrepreneur, never have had a job in my life. So Amazing. it's, uh, it's it, which I, I, I was kind of a bummer. I think everyone should have like a job for me a period of time, even if they're working yeah. like in a grocery store or they're working in a, uh, um, you, you never, Never. No, I've always, my first wow. business was like at 18 and then uh, moved into family business for a period of time. And then when exited that, started this company. So I've uh, only, I've only known entrepreneurship since a uh, very young age. Because my parents, I was very lucky with my parents. Um, they were, I mean, very young when they had me, it was 19 and 17. So they were very, oh. uh, you just say poor for lack of a better word. I mean, they'd have, they'd had no opportunity yet to create any wealth in their life. And so, and they built up their careers in their 20s. So they kind of missed all their fun years and they were focusing on building their careers up. And then they basically put everything on the line when I was nine years old and bought a business. 
And I got a chance oh, to watch wow. that front row seat. And they built that business up to become a really successful, uh, uh, it's in the grocery business, grocery store. And it was amazing to watch the hard work, dedication, risk-taking, entrepreneurship at its finest. And on that really, because I was ingrained at such a young age, I always just assumed to be an entrepreneur. Like I didn't know what business line, yeah. um, but it just that I was, I was committed to that path when I was like nine. Now it seems like very early to actually know that for, for certain, but yeah. when you kind of know something, you know something. So mm. we've had many businesses over the years and under the Luxus group, there's been like 20, you know, there's been a lot of different, a lot of different businesses. So I really enjoy their entrepreneurship game. And uh, enjoy you know creating value in people's lives. That's kind of what we built the business around. And if um, ideally, if it's successful, everyone can be rewarded financially as well. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been so the lucky true. part of that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And how was the how was your mindset like in growing up in your household? Right. Like, do you want to talk about that? Like, how how was it? Like, did you guys did they did your parents talk about business? Like, oh, we gotta go or did they watch shows and that kind of stuff. Like, were they into it growing up? B- big time. I I give them so oh. much credit. It was um, they were so good for my sister and I. She's an entrepreneur as well and has oh, a nice. home building company in Edmonton, Sherpark, Park, and they're um, you know really successful and built some really remarkable homes. And again, I well, tested all to, to my come folks. on our show. Uh, yeah, yeah, I will. I absolutely yeah. will. Definitely. She's yeah. uh, her and her husband are uh, are great, great people, and they've done some great things. Right. And and I yeah. I test all the for sure to my parents. We'd sit around the dinner table, you know, and sometimes they'd be getting home late, and you know, six or seven because you know they're long days, especially in the grocery business. All the busiest times when everyone else is off work. So they worked every Christmas, every New Year's, every holiday for our entire childhood. And we didn't know anything different. And that was totally okay. Like I didn't look at it like it was a disadvantage. That's just what it was. We would go in on the holidays and help them work versus go on holidays. We'd take holidays at different times, you know, kind of more off season, but that's just what we brought up into. So when we got to a certain age, probably like, you know, young teenagers, we start to get more connected to what the business is like and seeing their their journey of growth and, and how it worked and the ups and downs they went through. They never shielded us from it. They would keep us in the loop and kind of felt we were at a maturity level to absorb it. And they, you know, they dished it out to us probably, you know, in hindsight, kind of the right order um, where we never felt fearful, but we always understood that uh, business can change at any moment. And there were some, some times when they didn't know if they would make it. And so that was, uh, mm-hmm. but to see how they responded to that, they still got up the next day, Amazing. put their pants on and got Good. work done. And that was, uh, so I think that's when I moved into my entrepreneurial career, my sister and hers, that's just part of the process. You know, there's some days you're not sure how you're going to get through, but you do get up the next day, you solve problems and you figure it out. And that, so for our kids, we're doing the same thing. Our kids are extremely in tune with the business. They understand it. They're very, very astute when it comes to like understanding numbers and opportunities and such. And they're 15 and 12. So can't say what they're going to do, you know, but I would, uh, based on their current trajectory, I would say that they are definitely committed again to probably a path of, of business ownership or entrepreneurship, which would make me so happy. But at the same point, if they choose a totally different career path, that would make me happy too. Whatever, whatever yeah, pleases them and whatever. creates success in their life. Yes, it's so true. But they will definitely do well with that kind of exposure. Um, there's no doubt in my mind, uh, when anybody, any children that grow up, 
um, with that type of environment, yes. uh, and that type of mindset, you know, they just become more resilient. They, they want to do more, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, it's like a going into a different, different level of dimension, right? Like there's a, a household where things are, are not good. Right. And they're, you know, there's a lot of negativity, for example, and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. They turn out in a specific way. It's just programming, right? So I'm pretty yeah. sure um, they're going to do well. So well, you mentioned, a, yeah, no problem. So you mentioned, I, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know what? One quick thing with children, for those who are listening, have yeah. kids, which probably the majority of your listeners, yeah. there's a saying, it's not mine, but behaviors are caught, not taught. So mm. it's, it's my wife and I live by that, you know, in the sense that if we are, doing bad behaviors, if we're, whatever those behaviors may be, let's just call it, make an easy one. If we're not pursuing our dreams the way that we, but we can't tell our kids to pursue their dreams if we're not pursuing our own dreams. It's like a, it's like a epidemic in itself is that I think a lot of parents struggle. They, They tell their kids, you can be an astronaut, you can run up, you can do anything you want, but then they see their parents not doing what they can do for their best lives. And I'm, I'm generalizing, of course, but I'm just saying that this, mm-hmm. this is common. So um, mm-hmm. we try to, you know, it's like lead by example, but we try to live our best lives through that, whether it's fitness and wellness and diet and business career. And so our kids, we don't have to teach them anything. They just, they just mm-hmm. catch behaviors and their behaviors mm-hmm. now are consistent with our behaviors, which, you know, we work hard to make sure that they, they come off in a really positive, positive light. Um, oh, so we have a dog, dog barking here. Um, yeah. um, there, so that's the important thing about, I think, for that behaviors are caught, not taught. So have good behaviors, do good things. And um, I think your kids will catch on and do you know, amazing things in their world. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. that you know, behaviors are caught. And it is, unfortunately, uh, quite common. And, you know, the purpose of even of this show is kind of wake up people and say, hey, go out there. You're super, you know, you can do so yes. much. You have so much in you, you know, stop trying to figure it out outside of you. Just look inside, go deep and you'll see it. You yeah. start to see that all that magic, all that that is you, you know, you're here for a purpose, right? So we're just trying to pump that up and get people out of the nine to five. Hopefully I'm yes. not upsetting any, any nine to fives, but. I just want them to go into business because, you know, entrepreneurship, business, innovation, it is so beautiful. And, And you know, uh, failing is like success tax, right? You got to fail. That's the only way you'll learn. There's no question. And I think when your your kids see you fail or your team sees you fail or whatever, but it's it's how you respond to that failure. We're Mm -hmm. all going to fail. I failed many Mm -hmm. times and fortunately I'm, you know, still still kicking. But it's, um, I think in the case of, for people in the nine to five environment, I've uh, spoken this in the past, but I think there's like different, different buckets of people on their, their career paths. Not everyone's going to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone mm-hmm. can still get a good night's sleep, even though you're not sure if you can make payroll next week. Like some people just will not be able to, they're not, they're not, they're not ingrained enough in the sense mm-hmm. of the match. And that's totally okay. But, but mm-hmm. that person may love the entrepreneurial journey so they can work for an entrepreneur. And I've got mm-hmm. like an amazing team, different parts of the world that are just incredible that really, I believe, and are specifically selected to work because they want to be in an entrepreneurial type company with big return and big potential and big excitement and, and, and lows that come along with it and the ups and downs. But they don't, they don't have to carry the, say, the financial risk to know that their house is on the line if it doesn't fail, but they're committed 
almost as if it is. So mm-hmm. I think if you think of buckets of people, maybe a listener here says, you know, I'm just not willing to put my house in the line. But man, oh man, I, I think working in an entrepreneurial environment with the energy that mm-hmm. comes along with it and the ability to you know, affect change and, and you know, affect people's lives, maybe I should look, instead of get out of the corporate world, maybe I should work in that world and find an entrepreneur mm-hmm. that has this vision that I can help contribute to. And then maybe mm-hmm. I could be financially rewarded or I can, maybe I can become a partner or maybe I'm just mm-hmm. totally comfortable being, we'll call nine to five-ish, but in an entrepreneurial world, when you're working for an entrepreneur, it's never quite nine to five. There's always like mm-hmm. your areas of gray because you're living that, um, that entrepreneurial journey. So I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of rewards that can come along with if you're not prepared or have a desire to have the financial risk that comes with it but you're comfortable with the idea or excited about the idea of working in that type of business. There's so many people out there that run businesses are looking for that type of team member. And I know I am all the Mm. time. So it's, uh, Mm, I think it'd be a powerful way. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And that's an excellent point about the close knit entrepreneur company that you go in is everything is on fire. You still get that excitement. You still feel Mm -hmm. it and you have a potential of getting involved as an entrepreneur, totally. But nine to five, totally nine to five, in my mind, is is like those you know Fortune five hundred companies, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, hundreds, thousands of employees, and at five o'clock they just leave, right? Kind of thing, and they're just working yeah. for the benefit. I'm, I'm referring to those, you know, uh, yes. but. You, that point is so amazing because I would love that kind of passion as well. If you mm-hmm. get someone that wakes up all of a sudden, doesn't wants to do entrepreneurship, doesn't want that risk yet, just yeah. want to see how that world is, definitely yes. companies like ours, yeah, that'll be perfect. No, I, I agree fully. And I, yeah. I think yeah. um, maybe just I'll pass on like a something for someone that, like, I could, let's call it a university student, that maybe that's coming out, that's maybe been mm. on a path of the corporate world. Maybe their parents worked for you know, big car company or like a big, big firm. So maybe they haven't been inspired by the entrepreneurship and they want to give it mm-hmm. a run. Yeah. I think a big mistake a lot of um, graduates come out of is the immediate expectation of a high salary and thinking that potentially is going to be like a defining moment in their career. And I, what I, I think is a better path. And if I you know, were to do this again, or if I was in that world, I kind of did it actually in a certain, a certain way, but if I was an entrepreneur, or pardon me, a, um, a university student just graduated, and maybe I could go make $70,000 a year, you know, working for, you know, JP Morgan or whatever the case is, as a junior, you know, analyst or whatever. Um, I would rather go pick an entrepreneurial company I love. And the reality is because you're so green, you're probably not going to get the job and there's a job posting. Go to that entrepreneur and say, I'll work for you for free for six months. Like, what's the big deal? You just spent five years in, in school paying bills. Yes, you have student loans. Yes, that thing. But there's other ways to cover that. Go work. If someone came to me and said, I just recently graduated MBA. I want to work for you for six to nine months for free. I would never make them work for free. I'd still pay them something. But if someone told me that, I would say, well, that's amazing. I don't really have room on the payroll for you, but heck, you want to work for free? Let's do this. And then go in there, learn, work your tail off, and how quickly you will leapfrog every other potential candidate for the next job opening will be astronomical. And so if you're playing, mm. I think people play the short game coming out of school. And so the short game is quickly, I need a paycheck starting next week. We haven't got a paycheck in five years. So wait five more months and get the job of your dreams. Yes. And, and you'll probably get a bigger pay raise and then you can crush it. So I feel like I just wish more people would do that, but they're, they're mm. playing the short game. I just it, play the long game. You'll be better off. You'll be more happy. You'll be more financially rewarded, all of the above. 
No, no, awesome, awesome advice, Stephen. Definitely, that's uh, that's great because, like you said, what is another five months? But if you could target, make a list of the companies that you're is your like your dream occupation. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's a big deal? What's five, six months, right? You know what I mean? Pe- so that's people that's, sell all their dreams. Their people's dreams are sorry to interrupt. I, this is important one. No, people's okay, dreams please. are for sale. Like it's such a thing. That might someone leaves, they have a dream of doing something great. They'll sacrifice getting their dream. It's for sale because someone else had a bigger paycheck or a quicker to that. I just I feel like unfortunately in life, you're living your dream by providing value to this. I'm living my dream by this company. And, you know. A lot of people I work with are living their dream because they pursue this certain path, but so many people are not living their dream. They're, they're producing a paycheck, which yes. hopefully will con- hopefully may contribute to a dream down the road, whether it's a vacation mm. or maybe a retirement or whatever. But why not live your dream every day? It's so, I'm going to say easy is relative. You know, it's it, nothing's nothing great is easy, but there are paths to, to achieving your dream at such a young age. And that's just one path. There's many other versions to achieving it without taking massive risk still getting an incredible learning experience and be able to work for your dream job. How many, again, entrepreneurial employers are going to turn down free, you know, educated labor in their organization and you get a chance to prove yourself over other candidates. So mm. f- food for thought, but I just, I, there's such a good yeah. young workforce coming up and I feel like many are missing the boat based on just jumping into the first thing that's going to get my paycheck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's excellent. Excellent. And we know we always like to ask our, our guests what their inner super power is that got them to this point? Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I would probably say that mine is, um, I do like a, I do a, maybe a glass half full. I think for me, I've mm. positivity is a core value of ours. It's kind of ingrained in just the, uh, the culture of our business, ingrained in my family's culture. And I think that um, if you approach something through the lens of positivity, you can, you'll be happier. I think that your business can get more successful, but a lot of people might pursue it through a path of they're getting screwed or negativity. And so and not that's bad. Everyone's got a different you know, compass on what works for them. But for me, that positivity has absolutely, absolutely been instrumental absolutely. in our career yeah. development and our company success. Because even in the toughest times, I may be emotionally drained or very, you know, like in a very difficult place, but I still say, what what good outcome can we create from a difficult situation and environment? And that allows us to learn from those things versus allow it to suck us into the vortex of, you know, business death. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it's, uh, no, it definitely, no. definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. Positivity, I feel like it actually calms the mind. And when the mind is calm, that's where you allow that information to flow through you get better ideas you get better you do better yeah. actions so positive positivity i know in, in a broader sense is, a, is just a broad term right but yeah yeah deep if you get really deep into positivity and it becomes your core you mentioned about you know living your dream by each day you know i would go one step even further and say live your dream each moment and once you become really in tune with every spe- specific moment yeah then you can control, you can, you have that control over that positivity every moment. So it keeps accumulating, accumulating. I love it. Like I, I lived that world before without positivity and it was, it was hectic. It just, it felt really, really tough, really forceful. Uh, Positivity changed all of that. And I think positivity comes 
partially from not just, uh, there's a book called, uh, I think it's called The Happiness Trap. A good book if someone wants to read something around. Like we have, as human beings, natural emotions that flow through us, fear and anger and sadness and happiness. I mean, you can't force happiness. It, you have to allow some of these other emotions to go through. But if you are in an environment that promotes happiness, which promotes positivity, with it, you know, AKA you're pursuing your dream, you will find yourself on the happier side of life more often. So it's like remove, sometimes I'd say to people, change your environment, whether it's maybe your career or maybe it's your house, mm. or maybe it's friends that don't serve you anymore or family don't serve you anymore, change that environment. And that could put you in a place. If you've got a bunch of negative friends, what do you think you're going to be? Probably a negative person. If uh, you put yourself in a group of friends that look on the bright side of life and all of a sudden you'll find yourself yeah. being brought up. So I, I never mm. tell people to try to force happiness because it's impossible. You, you, you have mm. to create an environment that promotes happiness in your life. And then all of a sudden mm. you find yourself happier and more positive, and then you can mm. solve problems. You can create you know, a lot of goodness in the world for sure. Mm. You were a product of our environment, right? And it's such <laughs> a key point that you mentioned that if uh, you got to look around and sometimes you don't see it when you're, as what I mentioned, the calm mind, when the mind is hyperactive and just, you know, those voices are just going rampage on in, in your internal world. Yeah. It's, it's hard to be positive. You know, it's, it's just yeah. hard. It's just the conditioning is so negative. Yeah. And, and, and when you change the environment, at least it helps. There's other tricks and tips and other things that you do, Correct. you know, by working with a mentor, working with a professional that can help you confine that moment to moment basis where over time you get to a point where that moment just becomes your life. You're just yeah. naturally a positive guy. You know, you, you probably met those kind of people, you know, like things are falling apart and they're just calm. They say, yeah. yes, well, you know, they have the answer. They have the solution. Yeah. Uh, they're more, more spiritual, I guess, but they, you'll see them, you know? Yes. Um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's really important. <laughs> I've been around business, them all, right? all different types. I prefer. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer to hang around those that see on the, on the brighter side. That's yes. get a little bit more joy so out of life. Important. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Well, you know, Stephen, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an honor. Really like talking to you about all this. Uh, you have a, a great plan, whatever you're doing, you're doing great work, you know thank what I you. mean? And, and adding that type of facility to people where they can have that uniqueness with their money is yes. great. You know yes, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. the people are looking for that, right? So I'm I'm hoping that I can spread this message enough that brings you and them together. Appreciate and, that. And that's 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 the basis of this whole show, right? That we're just trying yeah. to connect people and build relationships. And audience, you guys, you you know, love you guys. Anytime you want to get in touch with Steven, he, his information will be in the show notes once it goes uh, published. Right now, we're mm -hmm. live. Um, and get in touch with him. You can see he's a great guy. Um, if you're looking to uh, get your money to work or you're looking for change in lifestyle, um, get in touch with Steven. He's going to be a, a great help, as you can see. And <laughs> do follow our pages. Uh, engage with us. If you need any of my help, you know, I'm a DM away on Instagram. That's the best way to get in touch with me. And other than that, thank you, audience. And thank you, Stephen. 
I will say thank you to you for putting out this uh, show to the world and making these connections. It means a you know, great, great deal to me. You're a good man. And uh, for anyone listening, for me, the best way to connect is on YouTube, the Luxus Group. It's just a good spot. I'm not on social a tremendous amount, but are putting out some content on, on YouTube. So we're checking out there. Awesome. Thank you, Sheed. Appreciate you very it. much. No problem. I appreciate you as well. And I'm going to check out that YouTube channel as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.